One of the things that I feel about hip-hop, and I quote all the time, is from Q-Tip when he goes, rap is not pop, if you call it that, then stop. Uh, it didn't start out as a popular culture movement. It didn't even have pop culture ambitions. Uh, it's a folk art. It's folk music. It's tribal. What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On today's episode, we'll first dive into a news nugget and discuss the recent rift between Joe Button and his podcast and the company of Spotify and ask the question, are streaming services the new shady record labels? Then we'll dive into our main topic, the rise and fall of backpack hip hop. Did we love or hate backpackers when they first surfaced? Were we backpackers? Why did the backpack movement eventually get hated on? Was the movement overall positive for hip-hop? And where has the backpack movement gone today? Then we'll dive into our new segment, Unpopular Hip-Hop Opinions. Then we'll dive into our album Face Off for the week and discuss which album we enjoyed more, DJ Jazzy Jeff, The Magnificent, or De La Soul, Mosaic Thumb. Then the crew will share what they've been bumping for the past week and preview some upcoming topics. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. What up, what up? Not that much. How you been doing? I'm good, I'm good. You, you, what's going on, cuz? Nothing, nothing. Been uh, using all your recommendations on the newest spirits. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. You find any winners yet? <laughs> uh, I like that butter. I don't think I've had a wine that's almost 15%. So it's really nice and smooth and does the job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll get you where you need to be. Yep. Sneak up on you, too. And then I think I looked for the, the rum you suggested, but then I ended up getting uh, the Anijo tequila instead which is nice oh okay okay yeah, yeah but i like the prices at that store which one did you go to kimwood on cicero okay okay yeah yeah they, yeah they they're probably the best i've seen like korbaki's is not bad on blue island but <clears throat> yeah that 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 kimwood store is uh on cicero they're they're yeah they're pretty reasonable so yeah, I haven't heard of Corbaki's. Yeah, it's like a little. Um, it's, I shouldn't say little. It's it's a, it's a regular sized liquor store, but they got a lot of. Uh, they just just stuff. Their different sections are like a lot more expansive than you would think it would be, especially okay. like their bourbon section. But they're on like 128th and Western, and they're. Uh, yeah, they're pretty decent, man. Hmm. That's by the. This uh, isn't it like a. Um Hispanic market right there? Yes. Yes, it's okay. right across the street from that market. I have never been, but I know what you're talking about. I get my uh, my corn from the Mexican spot every once in a while. Oh, okay, oh, you you going straight to the source. You getting it. <laughs> right. You, you cutting out the middleman. <laughs> <laughs> right. They have pretty good food in general, good tacos and everything. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Well, how's the family doing, man? 
Uh, for the most part, everybody's good, except my dad is in the hospital right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, outside of that, everybody's good. It's not COVID-related, is it? No, dad just is a hard head who likes his fried food and has high blood pressure. Those two don't mix. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sounds like me, with with the exception (laughs) of the high blood pressure. That's, That's the only thing saving me right now. Right. Yes, as we get older, we need to be smarter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we really do, man. Once you you get into your 30s, I mean, you really need to start checking stuff out. I mean, shoot, look at what happened to Chadwick Boseman. I know. That's wild. 43 years old, man, and he had 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 it. He had gotten diagnosed with it when he was 39. So, you know, it just goes to show, and it's not like, you know, it's not like he had a you know, a bad physique where you could look at him and go, yeah, this dude might have some issues going on. But like, he looks like a regular healthy Joe, you know? Yep, filming movies and everything. Yeah, yeah, playing superheroes and everything. So mm-hmm. that, that colon cancer, they say it, it could, it's, it's. I, I can't remember if it was like number two or number three leading cause of a death in black men aged 35 to 45. Yeah, there was a there was a Bollywood actor not too long before uh, Chadwick died that died of the same thing. Really? Shocker. Uh huh. Can't remember what his name was, but you don't hear too much about colon cancer. That one shocked me. I probably was sitting stunned for the rest of the day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That was pretty sad, man. That was pretty sad. Yeah, he cause he he clearly meant so much to, to so many people. But uh, yeah, it just, just just reminded me, man. I just I gotta get I gotta go to the doctor more, man. I gotta actually listen to them. <laughs> right. And um, you know, yeah, watch, watch what I eat, cause um, yeah, I'm at I'm at that age now, man. It's like I just I'm uncomfortable with. <laughs> The whole colonoscopy thing, man. I'm just uncomfortable with somebody <laughs> yeah, putting, putting a camera up my butt, man. So, but hey, look, it's got to be done. So, yeah, I guess you're not from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> not used to it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> totally new experience for me. But <laughs> right. I'm just I'm just curious how often do you have to have it done? Do you have to have that done yearly? Like I have no idea. Probably what, every ten years or something like that, I think. Probably since that's what it is for women. And mammograms. Oh, it's ten years. Mm-hmm. I think oh. so. I thought it would have been more frequent just because how, you know. How quickly cancer could spread i thought it was like yearly or something i don't think so okay yeah you don't mm-hmm. want to have someone stick a camera up your butt every year like <laughs> like all right it's february now nah, time time for my, time for hey, my, you never know. <laughs> my annual probe <laughs> who knows you may like you know <laughs> might not be as bad as they say <laughs> Right, right. I mean, at that point, you probably get used to it. Right. <laughs> oh man. How's school been? Oh man, it's 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 been. They, you know what? His school they they're starting off kind of 
I shouldn't say baby steps, but they're not doing, they didn't just jump right in with the full day yet. Like they're doing, they're on some kind of weird, like nine, I think it's a nine to one schedule or nine to, I think it's like a nine to one schedule. And then they're eventually going to expand it to what it's supposed to be, which is, uh, which is uh, nine to four. Okay. What grade is he in? He's in second. Okay. Yeah, he's in second. So, uh, what we got up in here? This look like this look like Jamil by the by the by the screen name. <laughs> That's funny. Going skin. What's going on, bro? What's happening? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Nothing much. I got my cousin Chaz in the house again tonight. Hello. What's going on? Glad you on again. Yeah, y'all welcome welcome assist back. I guess I wasn't too terrible uh, <laughs> last time with my Megan jokes. <laughs> uh, not not at all. Oh, no. Not at oh, all. No. We we get we get we get way more wider on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we get way more wider. And you're a you're a uh, you, you you were a. Uh, I remember you was you was quite the B girl back in the day. So I had to bring you on for this one. <laughs> right. Back in the day, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, yeah, we was we was all out there trying to do our thing. <clears throat> yep, I had my cowrie shells. I wish I had kept them all. I still got mine. I still got <laughs> most of mine left. I still got my cowrie shells, my <laughs> my koofies. <laughs> <laughs> Army fatigue. I had the whole outfit: the shirt with the skirt and the hat, the oh. shoes. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, did you? Did you? Did you did you ever um, did you ever holler at any dudes that hit you with the uh, hit you with the what's up queen? <laughs> See, we were big on the queen thing. Queen, no. Yeah, that's it that's sis. That, that, it was yeah, the Bilal era. <laughs> so yeah, that, that didn't start. Oh, it was definitely me. some queening. It was definitely some queening going on in the Bilal era. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> I may I may or may not have used it. As long as you didn't use it on the white girls. Um. Oh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I did. I did. Well, if you don't get that LinkedIn picture. <laughs> like we got, <clears throat> we got Jason in the house. Hello. What's happening? House of weather. Let's see if he can get a sound going. But anyway. Uh, while we wait, waiting on him, we gonna dive right into our uh, our uh, podcast for the uh, for the night, our, our episode that we got scheduled out and planned out. Real quick, man, in our news nuggets, real quick. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if y'all keep up with with Joe Button. We got the whole crew trying to get in tonight. I don't know if y'all keep up with Joe Button. Um, did you have y'all been following this story where he is uh, come out and he's he, I guess he's making a split. With uh, with Spotify because with his podcast, what's going on, Rodney? What up? What up? What's going on, man? Magnificent vibes in the house, man. What's going on? Magnificent. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Where you at, though, man? I got see. I got my uh, participant thing off. That's why. Oh, I'm in. I'm at the crib, man. I'm at the crib as usual. I got the crib. Oh, okay. I see you. I see you. What's going on, Jamil? Gotta go to that what gallery screen, Jason. bro. 
What's going on, Jason? Uh, I got it on the gallery screen. I, you know what? I take the. Uh... Yeah, but um, yeah, going back to Joe Button, uh, I don't know if y'all heard the story. He he's splitting with Spotify because of, I guess there were some demands they've been putting on his podcast, namely, um, him having to work certain days, him not being able to take a certain amount of time off. I, his pops was like really sick or something, and they didn't want him to take off the bat. They wanted him podcasting on holidays and weekends and stuff like that. And he didn't like the fact that he was subject to, um, what was it? He he was subject to them basically throwing ads up in the middle of his podcast that for for advertisers that he didn't necessarily agree with. Have y'all been following this story? Yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah, I, I was I was following it a little bit, uh, only because he started talking with Charlemagne about ownership and all of that. But I mean, I didn't care. I don't listen to him anyway because sometimes I agree to him. A lot of times I don't because he just talk talk. Well, you know, I, I thought you would you of all people, Jason, would have been a, a Joe Button podcast, you know, fan. No, no, no. Listen, we in the same. Kind of what I was thinking. Ninety percent of the time about newer artists and stuff like that but a lot of times i just feel like he's talking he's being disagreeable just to be disagreeable that's all okay okay fair I mean, enough i view joe button as that that little cousin that you know all his secrets back then used to pee in the bed and all that stuff and then you see you know you see you, know, you, you ain't been around him for like years then you see him again, now he all hard, he's super street and everything. You looking at this dude like, man, you, I remember when you used to pee in the bed, man. Go on somewhere, man. That's how I feel about Joe Button. You know? Pump it up. Uh, yeah, pump it up, man. I just can't get that out my head, man. I just, I remember what you did back in 2006 or five or four, whatever that song <laughs> came out. Like, I remember what you did, man. Like. You said he can't lay that down, huh? I can't take you seriously. I, I mean, you I didn't hear a mixtape or nothing? I, I never took him seriously. I, I'm sorry. Sl- the Slaughterhouse stuff, okay. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Like, really, like, I just never was sold on him. Never. And I mean, I, I, I know things. I know time progresses. People change. People change for the better, sometimes for the worse. But in his case, I just, yeah, you know, it's just, I can't. My mind keeps going back to the video, man. Like, well, well, he, he's in part. He he's been able to reinvent himself, you oh. know, over the past like, you know, five six years with the podcast and like, you know, I'm I'm way more a fan of his podcast and his commentary than I am of his music. So you know, he, he he's got he's got pretty decent commentary. I don't always agree with him, but I think he's coming from a genuine place. I think he he's got his finger on the pulse of the culture and where it's really at for people our age, maybe not the young cats, right. but <clears throat> I just thought it was interesting, this little contractual tiff he's gotten himself into with Spotify. I didn't even know, I can see, I listened to his podcast on YouTube. I, I didn't even, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that oh, it's he available had on Spotify. Yeah, through Spotify, I, I, but I, I don't, I don't I even, out. yeah, I don't even go to Spotify to listen to it, but you know, it kind of raised the question, man, are are these streaming services that kind of latch on to, you know, hip hop commentators, you know, and putting demands on them because they know they're coming in with a built in audience. Is that it could could streaming services and streaming platforms become kind of like the new 
butthole record labels. I mean, they they in it to make money. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they could. They, right. they in it, all like, their whole purpose is to make money. Yes. Hold on. Nah, it definitely is that. I think that they definitely are. Uh, that's that's kind of where the industry is going right now. Like major labels ain't really moving the needle like that because it's all about the streams and you know the i think it's through podcasting and like original content that they're doing it but the money is being made off of you know artists but they're able to then pump out their own content where they're um you know the executors of this other stuff is with how you end up with a situation like a joe button um or that whack uh I forgot her name. The young lady that used to work for ESPN. She got a little trash Chanel podcast Hill. on Spotify too. Yeah, yeah. Her and uh, Von. Um, ah, why can't I think? Van Lathan. Yeah, Lathan. Van Lathan. Thank you. I'm, I I kept thinking Von Van Lathan. Yeah, they got this old Broncos wire. <laughs> right. Awesome on Spotify. Um, quietest too, I think. Um, Quite as kept the Spotify in particular, like they are like moving the needle big time on um, on the podcasting. Like they are definitely positioning themselves to to be the new age record label. Like that's the new the new revenue stream for um, artists in general. You know, is the, the content creation. I can't necessarily make no more songs, but I can talk. Right, anybody can talk, so that's what they're doing and kind of monetizing that. And, and you know, that old plantation mentality don't change, it's just a different name on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a slippery slope, man. I mean, when I thought about it, like most of my, my listeners are on listening to this show on Spotify, so if they came to me one day, like, yo, we, we want to quadruple your listeners, but you got to run this Trump uh re election campaign ad in the middle of your show, I'd be like, no, I might have to go somewhere else, fellas. <laughs> you know, I, of course, I'd ask how much money are we talking about here, but <laughs> but then but then I would respectfully decline. But I just I just think it's it's interesting, right? Right. It's interesting seeing how stuff evolves uh, over time and how. You know, you, you got creative people out there. You're always going to have creative people. And as long as you have creative people, you're going to have people out there trying to exploit and make money off creative people. So, <clears throat> you know, it's it's like a never-ending game, man. It's like a never-ending game. But uh, I, th- I thought that was that was interesting, a little predicament he's found, Joe Budden has found himself in. I think perspective has something to do with it, too. Because if you're an artist who's trying to get noticed, you know, it might not be such a bad deal to stream your music on Spotify as opposed to somebody who's already got the recognition like Jay-Z. You know, what's in it for me? I already have the fans. I could go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think the issue is that the artists themselves are not making very much on the streams. Right. Particularly if they got to go through a label because then it's, you know, it's all getting chopped up. Like, if you're on a major your streaming numbers are they're, they're cutting you know what i'm saying they're already getting it plus whatever streaming platform is getting theirs off the top too so i don't know that it's all that beneficial for a new artist like you'll get some some recognition 
But I think that you could get that same recognition with a little bit of hustle outside of that and be able to keep a lot of that money to yourself. That's very true. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. It takes it. It's, it's not going to take a little hustle, though. It's going to take a lot of hustle. Because, um, you know, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, it's it, the industry's not what it used to be. It's like people don't walk their dogs anymore physically and hand out flyers and you know what I mean. We in this new weird age with COVID where there's no live shows being done. So it's it's you you really need the internet to to promote your stuff and get it to people. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a different time. But you don't need you, you need the internet, but you don't need Spotify. No, That's true. I mean, there right. are a lot of there are a lot of new streaming services like Twitch, like Patreon. Like people are just jumping on these platforms and, and trying to sell their product that way instead of the old school way of doing things. Or you know, it's, it, I, and I just saw something interesting too. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jamil, but um, I just saw this thing uh-huh. at Vinyl. Actually, you know, on the plus side, Vinyl has been outselling. Uh, CDs. Uh, I can believe it. I can this believe this it. year, like vinyl has been like making record breaking numbers this 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 year, which mm-hmm. was crazy. You know, and they doing this in the in the middle in the heart of streaming. You know, being at its peak. So I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I, I I could totally see that. You know, D, DJs are still getting busy out here. So that's not who's doing it though. I, I really don't. I don't believe that's too supporting it for the most part. I think it's um, it's hipsters and 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 you know people that maybe enjoy the analog sound or like old music. I can certainly appreciate what vinyl can do for you, um, just for sound quality with certain music. I think we've discussed that on here before. Um, kind of lose something in the digital format. So I, I really do think it's just the average consumer that is supporting that more than DJs. Yeah, 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 could be, yeah, could be, and yeah, yeah, and then you still got the DJs on top of that, though. <laughs> like, right, right, you know, right. They, they still getting busy, well, but not, not, not using controllers still. You said what? I never use controllers though. They you, you be there off of off of digital files. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's you still got some though that they like to just they they're still kind of old fashioned though. They like to throw on that wax and just and, and get busy. So um, you still you get still got some out there like that. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just interesting seeing how things evolve and and, and you know artists kind of kind of have to adapt and hustle differently. But um, like like they say in the wire, man, the game ain't changed. It just got more fierce, you know. <laughs> but um but moving right along man let's dive into our main topic oh, for the night man we got, we, we got we got nothing but but old experienced uh aged b-boys and a b-girl on here tonight so um this Shout should be a b-girl this, this, <laughs> this should be an interesting conversation we're going to discuss uh the rise and fall of backpack hip-hop now what do we mean by backpack well, when I Googled it, <laughs> you know, Google has all the answers. Google me, Chuck. Um, it, it, 
I, it says this, it says backpack rap refers to music listened by backpackers, people who only listen to underground or conscious rap. Backpackers will call things real hip hop and say they only listen to hip hop as opposed to rap. Um, I think that is a gross- uh, It's the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> oversimplification of that, of that term. Um, so blasphemous so blasphemous i listen to will smith okay i, I listen to popular music every once in a while back then come on man and so all of us should be appalled by that definition i'm gonna tell you what welcome what. to miami exactly <laughs> say it with your chest <laughs> I'm going to tell you the actual definition of backpacker rap. The reason why it was, was labeled that, it was, you know, it was the cultural divide. It was culture wars back then, right? It was, it was you know, the Jiggy era had come in and, and it was about, you know, commercialism and we're going to sell this product and we're going to do these dances and, you know, try to make this larger than life thing. And the lyrics suffered. Yeah, that's true. I got, you know, and, and you know, you call an underground cast hating on your success. But the fact of the matter is nobody was really hating on, on your success, right? A Tribe Called Quest was, was very successful. Nobody was hating on them. We're going to get into that. became very successful. Nobody was hating on them. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the whole, like, what they were actually rebelling against with the backpack movement was, was, was backlash, too. But but going back to that term, um, from what I gather, that term backpacker, nobody was running around back in the day calling themselves a backpacker. That was a term some journalists invented at some point and then it just, they stuck it to everybody that they felt fit under that umbrella. The backpack, the backpack movement was in reference to people who, you know, young kids, high school, college kids, walked around with backpacks and kept things like rhyme books, black books, and <laughs> markers and spray cans yeah. in their backpack. That's, spray cans, that's absolutely. That's what it was in reference to. It had nothing Paint to markers. do with. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what where, where Google got that definition from. But what were you saying, Chaz? Oh no, I was saying, yep, kept the markers, all of that in the backpack. Always oh, had a notebook so I could write my latest poems and rhymes and whatnot and thoughts and. We were students right. and we had no problem right. with learning. <laughs> we, we were all about learning. That's the difference between us and the thugs that was on the street. Right. We was going to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It is true. Um, so so I, 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 I there's a couple of questions I, mean, I wanted to bring up for discussion. I mean, we we, we, we were enrolled in school. <laughs> Yeah, not all of us went to class. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, but but there's there's a couple of questions I wanted to bring up for discussion when it when it comes to the to the, the backpack movement. But, but well, first of all, just to lay out the history, around the mid '90s, you know, heads who had a little bit of age on them, you know, they they remember they still kind of remember the whole quote unquote golden age of hip hop, and you know how creative it had become and what it had grown into. But by the time you got to the mid '90s, the most, you know, visible acts, you know, uh, in the public eye, you know, they had kind of ushered in this whole new era of hip hop that was a little bit more, just just commercially friendly, you know, and it was spearheaded by Puff Daddy, 
um, and it was it was what you call the shiny suit era. It was it was way more danceable. It was it was um, not grimy at all. You know what I mean? And it wasn't just Puffy, but he was kind of spearheading the the, the 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 charge on that. And you know, in response, not everybody back in the day was kind of down with that because they saw hip hop as a counterculture. Okay. And now you're taking this thing that started out as a counterculture and you're making it mainstream. So now it appears like we're losing a grip on this thing that belonged to us. Us meaning, you know, black and brown kids from, you know, urban areas. So, you know, as a result, they kind of, there was a movement that, that sprang up of people who rebelled against the, the puffies and the no limits and the, the cash monies and they focused more on lyrics skills you know can you rap you know forget how you know i see your chain is forget what you're driving what you're drinking who you're sleeping with can can you rap you've got skills and um what 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 happened was okay you got four elements of hip-hop okay and out of the four elements emceeing became the thing that was most compromised by corporate interests. And now all of a sudden it appeared that you didn't even have to be skilled at rapping to be a rapper. You couldn't be a whack break dancer and, and, get, and get respect. You couldn't be a whack graffiti artist and get respect. You couldn't be a whack DJ, most definitely, and get respect. But with MCN, it was like all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's okay to be whack now. And I, I shouldn't say whack like everybody back then was whack, but you you didn't have to come with the best skills. You didn't have to be reinventing the wheel now to to be respected and to make money as a rapper. But um, is is that is that kind of how y'all y'all would define the movement? Let you go first, Jamil. Uh, um, no, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. It was uh, very much you. Said it appears that you wouldn't have to uh, have skills to be commercially successful. I would push on that and say it didn't appear that way. That's what it was. Um, it's not to say that you know people weren't talented, but lyrically dense music it just isn't danceable a lot of times. You know what I mean? It's not something that you can prepackage and and make tons of it and and ship it out like the No Limit model was quantity of quality big time you know what i'm saying they just bank they cranking them out and the, and the lyrics didn't really matter because if i if i put out you know 20 albums this and none of them go platinum but they versus one artist who may have gone platinum putting out the one album you know what i mean i'm, I'm still winning as the executive you know i i, I can kind of respect uh, or there should have been room for all of it but the problem is these type of artists and no shade to them but they just aren't as I won't say as talented but they're not as uh, lyrically creative as you know some of the other MCs were and they were put to the forefront so it was like people got a, got an opportunity to skip the line to success by watering down the product and there was definitely some resentment uh, that came along with it yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say there's economic factors and social factors as to reason why music changed. Because like along with what you were saying, uh, Jamil, 
economically it made more sense for a label to put forward music that's you know danceable music that's marketable but socially we were becoming a threat you know we were listening to music that was uplifting that was conscious that had a meaning behind it that was motivating us to go to school to finish school to get a job to seek our dreams to become entrepreneurs to you know and that we were becoming a social and financial threat to people in charge so they had to do something to dumb down what was motivating us and that's mainly music music has always been something in the black community that we cling to to uplift us so if they can take that away take away the positive influence in our music then we left with what we have today yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely gotten worse, you know, like, over time. Um, sure. Let, let me ask y'all this. So, so you, you kind of touched on it already, Chaz, but uh, what, what attracted you all to, I, I don't even want to say, I don't even want to call it backpack, the backpack movement, because we, we didn't call it that. We just called it hip hop. Right. You know what I mean? But, but right. R- right. Rodney, what, what attracted you to it? I mean... I, I wasn't like, I didn't never proclaim myself to be a backpacker or anything like that. When I was, you know, I was just me. I, I was just into finding something that was different from what was on the radio. You got to a point in your life, you know, throughout high school, going into, for me, Barber College, where I really got submerged into hip hop is like Barber College. I really like, it really like took off. But um, it was just like, I would rather listen. My, my appeal was always towards lyricism and just keep it simple. Give me give me a good beat, give me good rhymes. Just like Fonte said, dope beats, dope rhymes, what more do y'all want, right? That's what it came down to. At first it went from, I want to hear a good song to now I want to hear something with substance. And I wasn't, you know, the backpackers, you know, I had, I was kind of like finding out when I was getting more into that music that it put me in the world of, of, of a circle of people that I'm like, man, oh, oh, this is how I dress now. I'm just dressing plain, that's it, plain backpacks. This is what I, this is what we do. You wear your backpack, all you know, it's like, you, you, yeah, it's like you open up the door to a new world, and then not only that, I I, I agree, uh, I agree with Cuz when she said, like economically, you know, I didn't I didn't grow up wanting to keep up with the latest fashion and everything. So the way that hip hop was dressed when I was coming up, I'm like, man, I can't afford that style. <laughs> Addressing, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. right. And, and when I found out about places like Street Lingo, and you know, and I'm like, man, I can get, I get a triple five sold for like five dollars. I get a triple five sold shirt. I could get some LRG. I can get some Temple Effective with a, a bar from Guru Drunk on, on the shirt. Drunken monkey. Drunk yeah, yeah, monkey. Yeah. Like I can get yeah, yeah. all of this and it's cheap and I can wear a backpack. Yeah, and this, it, 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 it was just really a transformation into a world that I wasn't in and a lane that I wasn't in. And I, like I said, I still had love for the commercial stuff. You know what I mean? I still, you know, technically Biggie, people 
Marvel Hammer is one of the greatest MCs. Nas, one of the greatest MCs, but they were commercial at one point in their, in their career. They were like Biggie's case. He was always commercial. So, but Uchi Wally just Uchi <laughs> Wally. <laughs> didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. But, but you know, it, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, you know, the more I started to listen to like that form of hip hop, those elements of hip hop, I started gravitating more towards that, and then just really branched away, and it got to the point where. You know, it's kind of like what you were saying, and you know, it's like, man, I don't want to hear nothing off the radio. I just want to hear some dope beats and dope rhymes and keep it moving. You know, right? So, Jason, you you you're in a unique position because um, your age, you you saw a lot come and go, and I know you never really. You never really was like, yeah, I'm a backpacker. No, no. First of all, nobody came out and was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a backpacker. Nobody did that. You were just right. kind of like, I met you, and you were just like, yeah, I make beats. I hang out with this person, that person, and you naming off all these people that I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, like I got his album, I got his album, and then and then once I got to know you, it was like, okay, this dude got some deep roots here. So <clears throat> for you, it wasn't like a conscious decision, like I'm gonna align myself with this movement here. Nah, but, I, but for yeah, you, I, was it was it? Did it become a decision over time? Nah, dude, that's how I grew up. <laughs> Just that's it, man. I grew up. I mean, you got to understand when when at the peak of breaking, I was I was twelve, ten, you know, ten, mm-hmm. eleven or twelve. So you know, I was the shorty of the crew, break dancing and stuff, and 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 and, and listening to beats and and break beats and whatever you know they was playing real hip-hop on the radio i that was part of the culture that was just the lane i was in so it didn't, i didn't have to choose nothing it was just that my style my personal style was all of these elements combined djing MCing, you know doing graffiti that was just me i was i ain't never my parents never said nothing i mean a little bit about the graffiti getting in trouble but hey hey mom i need this drum machine okay <laughs> and that's it Mom, so, hey, mom. so was there was there a point where you noticed? Rolling! <laughs> right. Hey, he got he only child, so he <laughs> he he can have those luxuries. <laughs> hey, I had those OB, just OB. for the first nine years, hey, and then I lost those. That's a beautiful I, thing. You know what? When when I realized my parents was cool with it, when I when I they didn't get me everything I needed and whatever, but like my mom one day we was having a party and she was like, "What you need?" I was like, "Take it, twelve hundreds." She, I was like, what? She went and got it. That was it. I was like, okay. You were like a suburban kid. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, I was going to say, as, as, as time went along. Buy me a Nintendo. <laughs> 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 as time went along, Jason, did you notice... Did you did you notice the shift as it was happening like 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 circa 96, 97? Did you, did you notice like, okay... There's a certain kind of MC that's going underground, and they're going to do their thing on that scene. And there's a certain MC that's going to do their thing on the mainstream stage. Like, did you did you notice that as it was happening, or did it, was it something that just kind of happened more over time? Uh you know what? I, I and, know- and how did you feel about the the mainstream artists versus the underground artists? I didn't like the mainstream artists. I, I noticed it, but I noticed it in the terms of how people like. 
if you listen to music now, if you go back to listen to like Africa Bambata and or the Furious Five and or Funky Four Plus One, and you could tell how rhyme styles changed, and and it it, it was the same thing. You can tell like at a certain point where all right, the difference with them was like when Rakim and KRS-One start spitting, their cadences was different, and they was riding over a lot of things, running harder beat versus this you can tell and then later on you know when biggie first came out he was spitting and then he kind of eased up to you know be a little bit more commercial a little more a little bit more palatable to people you can start telling how people because now money's getting into it the best barometer that i can say is like when a lot of people was going commercial and then that's why raucous was so everybody was like so into raucous because they wasn't dumbing down their stuff they was just underground just some beats and rhymes mm-hmm. and then if you go to certain clubs and stuff and it was more intimate venues you know you could see like even local people around here used to go to the blue note or the or the, or the, yeah. the note blue Blues lounge double door the double, double yeah. door yeah yeah the double door all of them you see all of now, they, they, you know, I used to go to the Red Dog, but then I had to stop because everybody and their mom was coming. I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you see the difference in how people, what people was gravitating towards, and as far as they style. And then people, you know, when Puffy and them was on top, and then everybody wanted to be all shiny and blinky, and everybody wasn't necessarily backpacking, quote unquote. But it was still cruise that did all of that, you know. But you could tell hard. It, just the shift over time, you can tell what people was gravitating to, and it was notable. So we just just laugh at it. it was like, all right, I'm still doing what I'm doing. Right, right. Uh, what about you, Chaz? Was it was it noticeable? And and for you, like, was it was it strictly like, oh, I don't like the mainstream? I double dip, you know, like you know, because I like to dance, so. I uh, saw it for what it was, and it, I compartmentalized how I, you know, did my music. So I still, you know, loved my hip hop, my tribe, all of that. I still like old school. I like current, you know. But I, I would listen to mainstream stuff. Like I would listen to vibrant thing and all that stuff. <laughs> like it didn't really. Um, make me upset because I like to dance to it, <laughs> you know, so if, if I could dance I to, I could it, I to it, you know. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's just me. I, I, I always try to, I mean, it wasn't as bad then too as it is now, like it was still, it still has more substance, I would say, than the dance music we have now. In my right. Sure didn't feel like it at the time. Right at wow. the time, yeah. But I felt like I could like, still be a, a blur, you know. I could still be a black nerd, but dance at the club, right. get my drink bought, that kind of thing. <laughs> I I remember seeing an interview. I, I, I don't Buster. know that life. Not Buster. I remember an interview Q-Tip had where when he he said Buster called him like a few days after Vibrant Thing like really picked up steam and people was loving it. 
and he said Buster cursed him out for like <laughs> 10 minutes straight <laughs> telling him how trash the song was <laughs> and then like but he jumped on the remix didn't he yeah, 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 a couple of months. Yeah, uh, I think a couple, like a month later or two, he called uh, Q-Tip back and was like, man, I'm sorry, man. But, uh, <laughs> I actually like that vibrant thing. <laughs> I'm cleaning it up, but you know how Buster do. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, for That's me, funny. for me, man, it was never about like, like, you know, as they would say on the internet. Cause see like backpackers, after a while, they became stereotyped. Like, oh, y'all don't like nothing if it's mainstream. It's like, that wasn't the case. Like, you know, it was just like, you know, it, it was a lot of elements that attracted me to the to the scene because one, apparently I was a backpacker before I knew I was a backpacker. If I knew that was even a thing just because of how I was raised, because I was always an artsy kid and my parents encouraged that. And they encouraged a, a heavy dose of pro-blackness. And I, 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 I don't, when I say pro-blackness, I mean being proud of being black. Not not necessarily having. I see your shirt, Jason. <laughs> right, not necessarily right. having a, a political agenda, but just being proud of where you came from and embracing that. And mm -hmm. I saw that reflected in the music, and I gravitated toward it. I saw the artsy side reflected in the culture, so I gravitated toward that. It was never about like, oh, I <clears throat> I hate the mainstream because I, I there were mainstream artists I love like. Like Mob Beat and Eminem and Outkast and you know, but I will say this: once I got into the, the scene, the underground scene, the batting average for what was good <laughs> on the underground side was way higher than the batting average of what was good on the mainstream side. Like the mainstream side was batting like 300, which is which is decent, you know, if you're a baseball player. But like the underground was batting like 850, you know? So it was like, it was That's like, I would hear, I would hear stuff and I'd be like, I would get mad when I would turn on the radio. I'm like, man, it's so much dope music out there. But I turn on the radio and I'm hearing like Master P and, and Ja Rule and, you know, Silk <laughs> the Shocker and, you know, whoever else. And I'm just like, okay, like I'm not even gonna mess with this anymore. I'm gonna just go into this other thing. You know, so, but it was never like, I'm just shutting myself off from all mainstream music. I think that's a, that's a stereotype that backpackers picked up over time. And, you know, when you, when I, when I was doing research for this topic, you know, I was looking at Google and there's a lot of like anti-backpack articles out there. Um, DoubleXLMag.com has this article, The, the Trouble oh, yeah. with Backpack Rap. Um, yeah. uh, what else? It's, it's that division that took place that I was kind of talking about, some of it definitely got perpetuated. There was some hate going on both ways because what was happening is, and this isn't everybody, but there was enough that, you know, some noise was being made from the underground side that criticizing the commercial rappers being whack, right? Y'all trash, y'all sold out the culture, um, you watered down the culture, you commercialized it, you did, you, you whitewashed it basically, you made it palatable for, for a white audience so you could sell. Uh, and that was definitely the case for some people, for sure. But then the other side of that was the commercial artists wanted the same type of respect that the underground cast got. So there was some hate going that way too. You know, y'all, you, you know, you just don't want anything that's that's fun. Y'all don't have no fun, you just, you know, nerdy or whatever the, whatever the critiques would be. And then 
you got the stereotypes that that work both ways and it was it, it was the reason why you're going to get those articles from like a double xl is because they would be dissed by you know the underground aesthetic like they they reach a certain level of success and to be fair to reach a certain level of success you do have to make yourself more palatable to a larger audience and that's just going to water down the product it just will you're not going to be able to have this niche thing and sell it to everybody because it doesn't work that way if it's niche it's going to be niche it's going to fit this small group of people that that rock with it but the more you want to expose it to, to the masses the quality decreases it's like mcdonald's versus roof chris right they both be products one is a high of a higher quality it takes a little bit longer to make it one is mass produced it's like beef ish but mcdonald's <laughs> is outside of chris you know 10 to 1. and it's it's a similar thing you it, it's it's easier to produce because there's not as much to it right yeah yeah i mean yeah and it, it was also too about providing an alternative you know what i mean it was like it it it, it was right. very reminiscent of what was going on with, with rock and roll you know, in the 80s, you had what they called glam rock and, you know, stadium right. rock and, and bands like White Snake and Poison and Guns and Roses. And then what happened? You had a blowback. You had the grunge movement come in in the late 80s, early 90s with bands like Nirvana and Sonic Youth and, you know, who kind of brought it back to, I, I guess, what they felt was was the musical roots or whatever. And, um, you know, you had the same thing. Then there's Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> you don't like rage man what's up i love rage i love rage yeah all this, certainly not grunge so. all of which are american dreams you know but that's i, I think that's that's kind of like you know you, you you're gonna see that in any genre you know soon as something gets popular yeah. and gets mainstream you're gonna have a certain collective of people, a certain you know people of certain school of thought, will be like, nah, you know, nah, we we ain't rocking with this. Like we're gonna do this other thing, we, you know, we're gonna stay right. true to these principles. Now, just about everybody on here fits yeah, under that umbrella. So what did? <laughs> let me ask y'all, what did y'all have in y'all backpack back in the day? <laughs> um. CD, headphones. Definitely. Barely books. <laughs> I mean, I had books. CD they probably player. weren't probably had, wasn't my textbooks. I had a couple uh, uh Magnum Sharpies. And had a bunch of notebooks, you, uh, though. Specified Sharpies. <laughs> I mean, I had some stuff that I'd be drawing, like black book stuff. But mm. I mean, I might like. I was that dude that I didn't. I had my schedule. When I was in high school, we could change our schedules. So I always had like gaps in my schedule where I would never have homework. So uh, do your homework at school? Yeah, and then and then if I didn't have a paper, I'm walking around. I didn't fold it up and put it in my pocket. (laughs) So I didn't have no school stuff in my backpack. So nah. Yeah, same here. I I had I had my black book. I didn't start carrying a rhyme book till I was probably like well out of high school. But like definitely razor blades. you know, markers, cans, uh, a metro schedule, because <laughs> because I was footing it. I, was like, I had to get around the city. Um, chew sticks. I had my chew sticks in a baggie. Um, what else? Uh, oh, oh, because you could not buy spray paint in Chicago at that time. 
I used to buy shoe polish and we used to break in the shoe mm. polish bottles and we would use the sponge and the tag with the sponge end of the shoe polish bottle because mm. you would still get that you would still get that thick mark that marking effect, and yeah. that thick effect and um that's how we used to do a lot of tags you know and it was really hard to clean you know especially after it dried so i used to keep like shoe polish in there too and, and bust that out when appropriate yeah yeah i i, I just <laughs> just wanted to ask I had, I had a bunch of caps in my bag like some skinnies and some fat mm. Mm. man dude I don't know. I, everything was in my bag, but what was supposed to be in. <laughs> I, I did have Pretty a much. pair of liners, too. I had a pair of liners, too. Wait, uh, wait, barber liners? Gotta keep the money. Gotta keep the money, bro. Yes, I, indeed. I used, be, I used to line people up after PE. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I, I was whack, but hey. <laughs> you got, got that paper, though. Hey, I was getting yeah. yeah, I was getting that couple of dollars, you know. <laughs> hey, I do it for two. All right, all right, man. Right. Just just hit me up right here. My barber messed me up right here. I'm like, all right. And <laughs> I would do it. That's where the exactly. That's where the love gave birth. You know, that's where it gave birth, you know. Right. That pack and I, I, I it all it started my career, you know. So yeah. I mean yeah. I, I had a pair of liners. Took care of business. Yeah, it is. It's paying the bills to this day. Yep. So, what? What? Um. Wh- what do y'all think happened to? I don't even want to call it the movement because it wasn't a conscious movement. But the, the 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 whole backpack aesthetic has kind of gone away at this point. Why do y'all think that is? Do y'all do y'all still think there's music out here that would attract people who had that kind of ear and? Where do y'all think the movement is gone? It's a lot of hip hop out there that you just gotta look for it. Right. It's out there. And it's and it's more accessible than it ever would have been. Yeah. Um part of it is is you know, those who would have been in the movement air quote at the time they're grown now. Well, that's so what I'm saying. Can't we got kids be running around the city, you know, spray painting and stuff. Like you can't it, it's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, way that you would be and if you think about it a lot of that legacy wasn't passed on either like in some cases it was but if you were if you got into a lot of trouble behind it like a lot of times we want to shelter our children from those experiences right you don't want them to have to experience the bad things that you did and sometimes you forget the lessons that you get from it but because of that because of not sharing in that the disconnect is there I think that's a big reason why if you listen to what a lot of um, younger artists will say now about older ones, I think I've, I've made this point before, that they, they just don't, they don't rock with them. It's like I never heard, heard them before. When that wasn't the case, if you talk about previous generations of artists, even if you came up, you know, as a 90s kid or 80s kid, you heard music that maybe wasn't yours. And you had an appreciation for it, even if you was a hip hop head, like you would hear Anita Baker and be like, all right, that's dope. Um, or at least have a respect for it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That wasn't happening, I think, in a lot of cases with parents of the hip hop generation. Because in some cases, honestly, you just couldn't, right? You can't play that for your children. It's not for them. So what ends up happening, I said some, not all. <laughs> 
Uh, and what ends up happening is the kids grow up and then they find their own path instead of having a, a, a healthy respect for the previous generation because uh, they never were exposed to it. You try to expose them to it after they've already developed their own ear. It's like, nah, I don't want to hear that. This is what I'm into. I like you two. I'm kind of thinking about what was hot now. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to keep interrupting Jamil. I'm thinking no, was, along I'm your thought. That's, that's my bad. No, I'm thinking along what you're saying, because if this generation of young artists is like, let's say, late teens, early 20s, their parents is maybe maybe 40s, maybe 50s. So would that have even been their generation, the backpack generation? No. Yeah, so that's why they don't know like these artists, because I feel like it kind of skipped. My daughter knows it, <laughs> but you know, I just turned 40, um, like literally. <laughs> so so she knows it, because that's what I play, but there's like a that generation ahead of us, they didn't really play this stuff, I think. Yeah, I, I think I it's a, I think all of that all of that plays into it, and then you have this other element of like the internet, like became more ubiquitous than we could imagine. Like back in the day, it's like the record labels were like the gatekeepers of what got played on the radio, and we were kind of like rebelling against that. But after a while, the internet has made radio obsolete, so now it's like the line is really blurred as far as like what's mainstream and what's underground. Like you got artists like Run the right. Jewels, you got groups like Run the Jewels right. filling stadiums. You know what I mean? No but they radio. are very right. much yep. they, they would they would be a back, considered a backpack group back in the day. You know, so the internet has kind of blurred that line between you know what's mainstream and what's underground. And so there's what what backpackers have to rebel against kind of doesn't even really exist anymore. Because, because you know, radio has become more obsolete, and you don't, you don't, you don't even have like a music video outlets anymore, like like the box or you know, MTV doesn't even play videos anymore. So like, Rap City, you know, there's really nothing to rebel against. MTV. To me, I'm always kind of like, I'm always kind of like shocked almost when I when I'm driving through the city and I see like a graffiti mural that wasn't there before, and it's like you know. It's like a real mural, you know what I mean? Like, like whoever did it, the money it was commissioned though. Hey, I'm all good with that. I'm all good with that. We can't run from the cops forever, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to paint Saturday. No, I, I'm good with that too. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the the uh, with commission work. My issue that comes with commission work though is that where you and Jason were running from the cops, um, <laughs> Brett. Brett and the other Jason and Chad commission work. Well, not that's, in every case. That's, not where my, every, that's where my issue comes from, right? Not in every case. I'm 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 very tapped into the graffiti scene in Chicago, and you 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 see a little bit of that, but not not as much as it. It, it doesn't happen so much that I, it makes you like disgusted with commission work. Like I, mm. I see a lot of commission work still being done by black artists, so you know it gives me a sense of. It gives me a sense of pride to see that. Um, now, now, when it when it comes to the hate and the blowback that backpackers have gotten over the years, what what do y'all? What, how would y'all explain that? Because hey, hey, before before you answer that, I want to say something. Rico, you just said okay. there's a difference between commission and permission. 
because you got you got some people that's just like hey this wall is ugly just paint something on it whatever i bet and then you just go for broke they just say hey i want the colors to be yellow pink and green i bet but then you got some people say hey i want frederick douglas and malcolm x and martin luther king all on this wall with some books and some hands and reach to the youth and you'd be like all right whatever that's you know but permission walls that's sweet you ain't got to run from no cops and nothing like that like them but i commission walls be kind of like it be kind of sucky because you putting down what somebody else wants that's not tapped into the culture so it look goofy it just get get painted but it's goofy that's very i agree i agree with that but um yeah i was i was yeah good point jason very good point um but but, what i was going to ask sean where do y'all think a lot of the hate for backpackers came from because backpackers are usually purist or art real artistically inclined versus the other people are not. So our first thing is to evaluate and critique and, right. and it'd be an honest evaluation. So, I mean, yeah, you whack, but, and that's the first thing to come out the mouth. If it ain't hitting on, I, nah, I ain't nodding my head, just garbage. And right. then people, people get irritated at that because people cannot stand if you're not an artist or an artistic person, you cannot stand to be critiqued. And if you are an artistic person, you're kind of you're doing your art for the love of your art, but you kind of also putting it out there for everybody, knowing that it's gonna be critiqued. So you're like, I'm not gonna come whack. You know, that's your motivation. And if it's garbage, you ain't gonna release it. Nowadays. These shorties make music and just dump it all out, regardless if it's good or not. Yeah. So, but that's been for twenty some years. Like, I wouldn't even just say it's 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 commercially viable to do that, especially if I'm not if I'm not you know putting my heart into this. This is a business to me because I see that this is something that can sell. Then yeah, I could go ahead and write a little sixteen bars that don't mean nothing and put it out. If you don't like it, fine. I got another one right behind it. I'm gonna keep hitting you with it until something actually sells. It's product. It's not. It's not art. Um, to answer your original question, though, Ian, sometimes, to be honest, this is 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 obnoxious about it. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody has kind of said that they are not the ones who would just say, "Yo, that's whack" because it's commercial. But those people absolutely do exist and did exist. If it was, you know, just didn't want to hear anything that wasn't of the the underground scene. You know what I mean? If, even if, if it was Nas or something like that, somebody who was a revered lyricist, nah, I don't want to hear that at all commercial nonsense. You need to get up off, you need to get up on this. And it'd be some, you know, some MC you ain't, ain't never heard of that sounds like a million other cats that rhyme in the park. It's, and even that, you know, not everybody on the underground scene was dope. Like just cause you were not commercially viable does not mean you were a dope lyricist. Just because you had the, the aesthetic didn't mean that you was dope. It was just, uh, and I think those are the people that kind of make it tough on that on that whole scene because those become the examples that get that get cherry picked uh, to make a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have a theory um, as to why backpackers got a lot of hate. One of which is because the movement or the aesthetic got co-opted. I'm gonna just say it by white dudes. Oh, uh, you know, white nerds who their introduction to hip hop wasn't exactly, yes. they weren't immersed in the culture, but they liked it. They were fans of it. And 
you know, a lot of, I used to meet a lot of white backpackers back in the day, and it was like, okay, like, you can be down if you want to be down, but over time, I got to see it as like, you know, some people just kind of, they, they wanted to almost recreate hip hop into something that was more comfortable for them. And there, there was that part of it. And then you also had a lot of hoteps, a lot of self-righteous hoteps who kind of were trying to hijack the movement and lecture people on their rhymes and what you chose to rap about. And, you know, you don't got dreadlocks, so you're not, you know what I'm saying? You're not rigged down. You don't wash, wash up with black soap. You know, like stuff like that, yeah, and like still eat bacon, brother. <laughs> and it's well, like, Fonte, talking about dudes wearing sandals, sandals. <laughs> you know, so that was part of <laughs> battle with sandals and capris on. That that was part of it, but like you know, going back to the to the white backpackers, it was like. It, it was almost like they used that move, movement to ridicule elements of the hip hop culture that they didn't completely understand. Like you had, yeah. okay, you you had hyphy rap in Oakland in the Bay, and mm -hmm. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't I didn't grow up in that scene, but I recognized that this is something that a lot of people like, and I don't really rock with it. But whatever. But with like the white backpackers, they would almost use this like real hip hop argument what's real and what's not to ridicule things and ridicule other scenes that they didn't completely understand and you know right. at the time I, I noticed it but over as time progressed it, it made me more and more uncomfortable it's like okay everything doesn't have to be super nerdy to be considered real hip-hop so that's part of it too and then it just you know for a lot of people you know, it sucks to have somebody tell you, oh, that rapper you really like, that you think is really dope, yeah, he not that dope, he not that cool. You know what I mean? So it became right. like this thing where like, man, who are these weirdos to tell me who I like ain't dope? But go go ahead, I'm sorry, Chaz, you, you were saying something. Oh, well, earlier you mentioned that a mainstream music magazine was one of the publications that had an article about, uh, or debasing, um, Hip hop, the basin of the backpack movement. So, could it be that in order to make inroads into uh, music, that they were in the pockets of the music industry and trying to push backpack music out so that they can make money with popular music? I don't know. Everything is a conspiracy with Chaz. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, just don't. Just don't. Just don't bring up no 5G towers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> what about you, Rodney? What you where you think the hate came from? <laughs> Man, I just think um, you know, I, I in a way you you make a good point, yeah. Um, now that I go back and think about it. But at the same time, when it comes to like, you know, I don't I don't know, it we the music, sometimes hip hop itself, the backpack hip hop itself, uh, they kind of preached it in the music too. I mean, in a way, you know, there it was always, even from, not even, even before the whole backpack scene took off in the late 90s, like earlier, it was always, you know, criticism towards rappers who sell their souls, right? But right. then it's commercial rappers that's saying that rappers are selling their souls to make millions, you know, and not sticking to 
the culture. Then later on, you have like this backpack movement that it was just, and, and it was just that this whole, a lot of the hip hop, I, I, would, I would use Loop Pack for an example. I love, you know, Loop Pack's, uh, I love that album, but you know, there was a lot of references to whack MCs and true MCs and, you know, whack MCs do this and true MCs do that, you know, and to kids who wasn't, didn't grow up in neighborhoods like we grew up in, but they, but they been exposed to this type of hip hop. Now they feel that, oh, you know, I, I was always down for the cause. I was always this, I was always that. Whack MCs, Biggie's whack, Tupac's whack. Let's, let's get Tupac into this. Tupac You know, it was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> But, but but I'm just that saying, like hefty hefty, hefty <laughs> What? Oh wow! The blasphemy! Wow! Hey, we we gonna get to some blasphemy. <laughs> this this is this is. I don't know. Put up a can of worms. <laughs> this is this is an interesting. First of all, you just loop back. Come on, man. He didn't just loop back. I'm just saying. I know. I'm no, I'm not dissing Lou Pack. I'm not dissing Lou Pack. I'm just saying it was an ill uh, other kids. It, it doesn't I, I, like kids that grew up that that don't understand the terminology. Like like we understand, we listen to hip hop like Lou Pack in a different ear than someone outside of our culture yeah. listening to Lou Pack. They're looking at it more as this versus that. We're looking at it more as oh yeah, this is this is stuff that right. we like. Yeah. But we'll still show love to to the you know commercial stuff, the little commercial stuff that we might choose to like. But we ain't on some man, you know. Right. I'm not supporting this at all. I'm not, you know. To me, I just feel like you lose uh, the definition of you know the element of why we do what we do, why we listen to what we listen to, instead of you know it being this versus that, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I, go ahead, Jamal. I, I, I right. that to a degree, but because I used to call everybody, I don't like it in your garden. And I figured, you know, like, I got a ear for this. But as I got older, I didn't realize that, like, if I go up in a red dog, I didn't want to hear L O N S. Well, I did, but I'm just saying, it's like, boy, Depending on the club or wherever you at, certain music is not appropriate for that. You know, if I go up in the elbow room, yeah, I want to hear this, I want to hear that. Met most Dev, Tyler, whoever. But if you go up into like a skating park, skating rink, or if you go to some party that's not all his, you want to hear something different. And I get it because there's right. certain music that I hate. Right. But then when I got into a certain environment, I was like, oh, this kind of bang. No. Same here. Work. Yeah. No. So it, it's just. I if think, she like it, I, I like it. And it was like they were playing like some three six mafia or something. Oh. No, something, man. I hate. I hated them. But when I got into the environment, I was like, man, it's kind of rock. Okay. Okay. I ain't playing this in a car, but I get it now. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same here. Same I mean, here. Right in by- I admit, uh, band will in fact make her dance. <laughs> right, I, can't, I can't, I can't grind the feral mind. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No. Can't grind at Thelonious. There's no twerking. There's no, there's no twerking being done to uh, Bahamadia. <laughs> I mean, but that was good Netflix and chill music. If Netflix and chill was a thing back then, you got your, you know, your glass or whatever, your BD or whatever. You just sit back and just look. You know, listen to that chill. Hey, that, that's what uh, I used to listen to brand new heavy so. <laughs> very true, man. Very true. There you go. Now, now that that whole us against them, um, you know, dividing hip hop, I think it ve- it became very exemplified in the movie Brown Sugar. And I'm not gonna, you know, <laughs> I thought the movie was okay. You know, I, I, I it didn't it didn't strike the emotional core with me that it did with some people. I got what they were going for, but it kind of missed the mark with me. Um, I, I maybe I don't know if it was the time it came out. I, I enjoyed the soundtrack way more than I enjoyed the actual movie. Mm-hmm. But like, yes. you know, when you go back and you look at that movie, and it was just like, okay, oh, you had the, you had the characters Ren and Ten, right? <laughs> the hip hop Dalmatians. Hey, I mess with Ren and Ten. I mess with Ren and Ten. Now that was come on, man. That was to you me, ain't down was, with Millennium Records. <laughs> That's what we do here. <laughs> we make hits. We made it. You want to go to now? You take your way down to Rockets. <laughs> Y'all watch this more than once. Over here, we keep it proper. You say what? <laughs> Y'all watch this movie more than once. I saw it the one time in the show. That was it. Uh, hey, I got the, I got the DVD. Right. <laughs> no. Me too. You have to watch it through the lens of a comedy. Then it's a much more enjoyable movie. Oh. Right. It was. It was. It was very lofty, and what it was trying to do was trying to make this set this tell this love story and and compare it to like your love for this person is like your love for hip-hop blah say blah and we grow up and we do things that we that we don't love but we have to do them anyway to make money and pay our bills i get it but, <laughs> you know it was like okay you take the characters ren and ten it's like man it was like they they weren't just whack it's like they lacked self-awareness in any social situation <laughs> And it was just like, man, it's like, is this how some people see mainstream rappers? It's like, you know, it was just kind of like, <laughs> it was just kind of like. It had to be that, it had to be that dramatically different though to make a point because really were stupid. But I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. The only thing, we you know what I took from that though, is what I never understood is like, like you get the Grammys and stuff and these award shows. And then people accept the awards and they go up on stage and they got like jeans and a t-shirt on because they too cool. They got put a suit on. Right. I, I'm, you know, or something. Everybody else is dressed up and stay situation appropriate. And then you get up on stage instead of, you know, thank you for this award, blah, 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 blah. They, yo, 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 God is good. And then, and then whatever <laughs> else they can say, but they sound stupid when they saying it <laughs> instead of just like, and then you hear him talk somewhere else and it's like you putting on a show i get it it's entertainment but it's still like you can't always be the ignorant person you got to know when to turn it on and turn it off that's what i took from them they never turned it off it was not always if it's, not if it sells yeah not if, it sells. if that's the brand you got it you got to stay in character yeah, yeah well, it, it was it was a gross oversimplification of what shout, shout out to big baby jesus <laughs> Or what main? Hey, he had on a suit. Um, exactly. 
he had at least he had a suit on you know of what what mainstream rap was and what was becoming puffy is good but see but see the thing is this is what they kind of ignored it's like yeah every now and then under the right circumstances i might want to listen to the hoe is mine <laughs> under certain I'm circumstances i'm next in line i'm not gonna act like that's creme de la creme hip-hop but like you know <laughs> They couldn't. They couldn't. It don't mean it's Right. It's got its place, you know. And dude, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Did y'all know that like Ren and Ten were based off a like a real rap duo? No. I didn't know this. No. So recently, Google, <laughs> Google. When you get a chance, Google Smiles and South Star. I With no Smiles and South Star. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm Googling it. I didn't now. know that was supposed to be Ren and Tim, but that makes so much sense now. Holy smoke. Yeah, they had that song back in the day called Tell Me. I remember the song, but I didn't remember them until somebody told me, like, yeah, that's who that oh, was based wow. on. Oh, <laughs> wow. I just Googled it. Yeah, well, yeah. What was the name of it again? What was that name? Smiles and South Star. Smiles they were from Florida. It's a black dude and a white dude. They had a song named Tell Me. When you hear the song, you're going to instantly remember it. Yeah, smile with a Z. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember these trash dudes. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what they was clowning in that movie, man. But I remember these guys. Yeah, yeah, they were trash. Hey, 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 hey. Y'all, that movie. That is probably one of the only Kanye West songs that I produce songs that I like. What? That uh, Brown Sugar. Oh, the Brown, the Sugar, Brown Sugar. Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Only? Yeah, only. It's an ongoing thing. Time, time won't allow yeah. us to get into it. That will segue us into our, our, our next um, topic. Well, but just... <laughs> Just wrapping this up. This is this is a great discussion. There there will be a part two because I, I didn't get to all the questions that I wanted to get to on this topic. Um, there is a Netflix docu series uh, up called Hip Hop Evolution, and there is a particular episode on there called Pass the Mic that covers the you know underground uh, hip hop movement of the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. And they, they give a lot of context for what we grew up on. Because for, for th those of us who were too young to catch the Native Tongue movement when it was actually up and running, Ooh. we did catch the backpack stuff. So Thank you. Thank Ooh. you for making me feel old. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I didn't say your name. <laughs> I mean, we caught it later. We caught it later. We were just, we was, we was babies when it, when it, when it dropped. Yeah. So, Please, please, if, if you have Netflix, it's called Hip Hop Evolution. The name of the episode is Pass the Mic. It's got like 16 episodes, but it, it goes in depth in a great way about that that scene and that movement and the lyricist lounge and, and all of that and like what that what that sprang up from. So I, I definitely recommend it. But real quick, uh, before we run out of time, man, I want to dive into our segment that we do, uh, Hip Hop I'm sorry, unpopular hip hop opinions, where we invite someone to share a what they know is a unpopular hip hop opinion. We probably only have time to run through one, so 
Um, <laughs> Chaz, I'll give you first dibs at it. If, if you have one you would like to share. Nas could stop making albums. That ain't wow. unpopular. Wow. <laughs> I after, agree. After King's disease. I agree. Wow. 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 That's so love Nas. Time's up. What do you think he just run out of stuff to talk about? Nah, yeah. can't beat. Yeah. I've been saying that for the longest. He don't get good beats. So y'all didn't like this last one there. That's not true, sir. I yeah, actually enjoyed the last one. The last one was it was, it was great. It was a great yeah, album. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I, I definitely might end up number ten on my top ten list. So, so uh, at what point should Nas have stopped putting out albums? Uh After I think the, the album that had Fox News on it. That was about that was about it. The end? Oh, you thinking? You talking about um, hip hop is no? You talking about the the nigger the album? Yeah, yeah. yeah. or oh, maybe hip hop yeah, is dead. Hip hop is dead was good. I think after that, it's just I. I'll try like I'll maybe get through the second track and be like meh, and then move on to something else. Wow! Wow! The disrespect. Life is good. Life is hey, good. Jason agrees, so at least one person yeah, agrees. I really like life is good. That's a pretty good barometer to let you know that you are off into the weeds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason agrees with you. It's, it's got to be off. <laughs> hey, off? That's his selective taste, boy. That's real. Oh, That's, man. I will say this. That's I will say this. Palette. It's a curated palette. I will say this. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, it's been a while since I've been on this show, but I'm sure this has been documented in previous vibes and stuff um, podcasts. I have dropped clues on my strong opinions on Tupac, and I am in agreement with Jason in regards to Tupac. I've always felt like he was overrated. I always felt like he was never a top 10 MC or a top 10 artist and i've been one to feel that way at least i felt like he's only dropped one good album which uh he's had some decent ones here and there but uh oh me against the world i think is his best work that nigga's neck and neck uh, with ja rule <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far i wouldn't go that far oh. That's that's blasphemy, Jason. That's B shit. I haven't like none of How long will it more, miss? Really? Oh man. Big shit. Big shit. Not true. Not true, Faz. Hey, I'm like that little I'm like that little black boy that be like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I Jai think Rue what you all are saying are slightly different, though. You saying that he's overrated, which I can agree with. Jason saying he's whack, which I cannot. He's overrated and whack. I can <laughs> I can agree with overrated. I'm not going to say he's whack. Not yeah, I don't think he's whack. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Maybe I'm seeing him through young girl in puberty eyes. It's <laughs> just like, you know, uh, you know, he was our boyfriend in high school. That was ah. our dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I like I said. I'm gonna say I'm explaining this. I liked Tupac at first when he was Digital Underground. He was coming out. I'm like, oh, this dude dope. He's gonna be fresh. Blah, blah, blah. 
and Brenda's Got a Baby came out. I was like, oh my God. No. Really? You didn't like Brenda's Got a Baby. I, now, the I slow motion video, like, the famous so, so, everything is slow motion video. I did right, right. like Strictly for My Niggas. I did like that album. Yes. Yeah. I like Strictly for My Niggas. I didn't like nothing else after that. And then I like three songs off that album with Dear Mama. Me Against the World. Yes. That's Me Against the World. Wait, which one got I get it? That's a strictly for my niggas, right? Yep, that's yeah, yeah, that's strictly. Yeah, that's strictly. Okay, so I like that, and I like like two, two, maybe three songs off the album with Dear Mom. I ain't mad I like at you. I ain't mad at you. Yeah, I ain't like nothing else after that. Mm-hmm. And then he started acting like he didn't act like Bishop at first, and then he started acting like Bishop. <laughs> right. He had to like, All right, dude. Come he on. Got that, shot. Was, that was the that was the Suge influence. Right. He was in jail. Come on. <laughs> Rock get a whole other episode though, so I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he deserves his own episode for real, for real. Uh, we gonna do a magnus magnum opus on him, but um, moving right along. Good, good, unpopular opinion. I, I like that one. Um, I don't like it, but I, I, I see where you're going with it. <laughs> <laughs> but moving right along, man. We gonna dive into our album face off for the week. Um, this one was very hard. Um. We're going to dive into, we, we're pitting um, De La Soul's Mosaic Thump against DJ Jazzy Jeff, The Magnificent. Um, now, DJ Jazzy Jeff's The Magnificent, it came out September 2002 on uh, BBE Records. Uh, it featured production by, of course, Jazzy Jeff, Odyssey, uh, Kenny Dope, Kev Brown. Um, it was actually... DJ Jesse Jeff's first solo LP. I didn't know that. I thought he had mm-hmm. something else out, but it ran for 79 minutes and 31 seconds and featured artists such as uh, Baby Black, Paul Yam, Cy Young, J Live, Odyssey, Freddie Fox, Raheem Devon, and The Last Emperor, and somebody named Jill Scott. And I got Eric Robinson as well. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. As well. I got super strong feelings about this. And then on the other end, you had De La Soul with Mosaic Thump. This was released August of 2000. This was their fifth album. Um, it was kind of it was kind of marketed as a comeback album for the group. It was released on Tommy Boy Records. Had a runtime of 66 minutes, and was produced by De La Soul, Dave West, Prince Paul, Jay Dilla, and Rock Wilder. And featured artists such as Redman, Feral Munch, Five Dog, Buster Rhymes, Indeed. The Licks and DV Elias Christ. So, I will give it up to you all, man. Between these two albums, which one was the better album, in your opinion, and why? A Lost Soul. Because oh, the whole thing, just overall. But what really, what really, like they always that album in particular was a cohesive album, all the way from the from the first track. The ghost Weed skits where uh Ghostweed was the best. Man, <laughs> when when Black Thought, who was was dude did he was like he's gonna imitate Black Thought, they imitated Feral Monster, imitated Fife all the yeah. way through. Mm-hmm. I was I was going nuts and the way they blended it it sounds so perfectly. And then it had a hint of comedy in the album because you know you laughing at the skit and how they do it, and then they go into the next song. And then Daylaw always manages to put the right people. Who in the world thought Devin the Dude? And not, even though it wasn't on that album, I'm just using that as an example. Devin the Dude and De La Soul. 
Mm-hmm. They always know how to pick people that are essentially like totally opposite style, but it'll go together and right. it sounds dope. As far as the Jazz Jeff album, my issue with that is the reason why I like Daylight better is because when the BBE series came out, like with Pete, Pete Rock, I remember going nuts like, yo, a Pete Rock instrumental album. Then here come a Dilla, you know, Dilla album. But then when we get to the Jazz Jeff, I'm like, I know he put out product, but my issue with that was like, he didn't, he might have, he didn't produce none of them tracks, I don't think. He like did just scratches. He had Cav Bryant. There was some dope beats on there, but he had other people in his crew doing all the beats. So I was like, this ain't a real, this ain't Jazzy Jeff. It's a compilation album that he put together. He did a puppy. He did a puppy. So the album wasn't bad, but like that tainted it for me. So, so you mean he did like a mixtape like a DJ might do? Yeah, I mean, he got, he's a DJ. So I get <laughs> That's my point. He's a DJ. <laughs> But what I'm saying is the whole the whole point of that series was Producers. people that are DJs that do beats mm-hmm. and vice versa. King Brit, Pete Rock, Dilla, uh, 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 I for, you know everybody else that came out with that series that well, would, you know, it, it just it just changed. So I was just like, eh, Mad Lib, you know. So that just. I had a problem with that album. I listened to it. I bought it. I liked it. It just, it just didn't sit right with me. But just because of it being yeah. part of that series, yeah. But that was a dope series, man. You had Marley Marl, DJ yeah, Spinner, cool. Will I Am, like right, and all of them made their own beats. Right. That's a fair criticism. I didn't like Will I Am's one, but I did like all the other ones. Yeah. Actually, I actually like it. I thought that was the most slept on one. Yeah. I didn't really care for it. it. I mean, it was all right. I just didn't care for it. It wasn't John Blaze or not? Maybe I got to go. Yeah, it wasn't Blaze. I Surprisingly, might go back, I, I go actually, back and check it out. But I, Yeah, I'm shocked by that. Because I would think that that would be like your speed. Me too. I tried to get into it, man. And I was just like, eh, I don't know. Maybe too much was going on. That could be. Yeah. All right, all right, but but going back to this daylight, this mosaic thump versus the magnificent man. Where y'all, where where rest of y'all stand? Um, unfortunately, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. It's not even unfortunate. I'm going to magnificent on this one. Uh, I love mosaic thump. There is a little bit of a disconnect because I just haven't heard it in so long. So there could be some of that with the magnificent. Well, I hadn't heard that one in a while either. When I threw that boy off, it took me right back. Yeah. Uh, it was an amazing piece of work, minus the Jill track, uh, Jill Scott track. I didn't like that one. She was just talking. Yeah, but she sounded terrible. She did what I hate when poets do that. They use the poet voice. I couldn't stand that. Um, <laughs> I did like Bumpy Knuckles track. On that, like, I think I banged that one out about six times in a row this week. You don't want to bust that ear. That scram. Yeah, that was a uh, that was dope. I will say about the Daylight. <laughs> I love Daylight Soul. I love Bustin' Rhymes. Did not like that song. That song was trash. I see y'all. I see y'all. <laughs> I liked I see y'all, man. I didn't, I didn't like it. I did back then, but man, when I listened to it again, I was like, man, I used to listen to this. Yeah, I, it, I like it, like it would sound good in the car, but that's that's some old. 
Corny. I, yeah, I didn't dig that one. That, but the O made up for that. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And, and my it rights, did. my rights was dope. Whole album. The whole album was dope. Don't get me wrong. I just oh, like the whole album was dope. Yeah. Poke, poke a little fun in that track. I'm, I'm, I'm curious where where you stand, Rod. <clears throat> hey. So I'm I'm magnificent. I'm team magnificent on this one, even though it was it was by a hair man. Like both of these albums. Not, how y'all gonna how y'all gonna talk about Mosaic Thumb and not talk about View? That the way that beat changed up and and how did he how oh my god, dude, just uh, that in itself. Uh, I was like, man, I was combative, but I just really. I'm going off my reaction, like how I responded to both albums, man. Like, I'm gonna take y'all back a little bit. I used to get the and one tapes, right? Guilty mm-hmm. Charge. One of the and one tapes had Mystery Man's track on there, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What is this? This is cold!" Like to go along with all the crossovers and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, "This is cold." Then one day I went to the barber shop, just you know, get ready to start working, everything. And you know, CC was bumping the Jazzy Jeff. And I'm like, man, what's this? Yeah, what, what's this? He's like, oh, that's that new Jazzy Jeff. Now we think. Now at the time, we gotta think. At the time, we're like four or five. Wait a minute. Well, now six to seven years removed from Fresh Prince. So I'm thinking, Jazzy Jeff, all right, right. corny comedy stuff like that. This is him. He's like, yeah, man, this is his album. So we were just letting it ride, and when it got to the Mystery Man track, I was like, I do, I, lo- I lost, I lost, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta get this album. I went straight to, I think after work, I went straight to Dr. Wax, man, Dr. Wax. and went and picked it up, it's like, Dr. right Wax. away, and it was, like, heavy in my rotation for, like, a good year, year and a half, so, uh, and, and so was, I mean, Mosaic Thump was, like, my barber college album, that was one of my barber college collections, so, yeah, yeah. both of them, have a deep seed in my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the barbershop collection albums, you know, Supreme Clientele, you had Mosaic Thump, all those. Uh, you need to do a segment on MVP where you go through the barber college collection one by one. That's a good idea. I'm gonna have to do <laughs> yeah, that. I'm gonna have idea. to do that. Uh, but yeah, man, like, oh, and I got a story behind that collection because I almost lost it. And guess who found it? Linnell's brother, uh, Tyrone, found it on the streets and was like, man, I just found this thing of CDs, man. I think somebody dropped it on the way here, on the way to work, man. They got a dope, they got a dope uh, taste of music. I was like, man, that's my CD. <laughs> CD case, man, give me my CD case. <laughs> that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Almost lost it all, man. I've always lost it all, man. But yeah, I, I'm gonna have to get an edge to 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 magnificent, man. I really, man. That, I hate I hate when you put these albums against each other, man. But hey, man, that's what I do. I try to make yeah, it hard. Yeah. Ch- Chaz, yeah, we gonna give you the last. We gonna give you the last word. Me. Did you get a chance to check these out? Pass on me, because because I don't know what I was listening to during the 2000s, but it was not either one of these albums. I will say. <laughs> Around this time, I was digging in the crate. So I was listening to old school. Like, I was living with my mom in the high rise and going through her old records. So I maybe that's what I was listening to around this time. Like, spinners oh, and, and the blue notes and all of them. But I wasn't listening to this. <laughs> wow. 
I thought for sure you had heard these. I thought for sure you had heard these. But I'm thinking when I heard anything with Jazzy Jeff, I probably quickly bowed out, just assuming it wouldn't be good. And I was wrong, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I almost strongly recommend it. He didn't make any of the beats. <laughs> but strongly recommended listening. Um, so when I went back and I listened to these albums, man, like, I mean, they lie, they lie. You know what I mean? They they've always gotten down. I, I I'm gonna just come out and say it, man. Like, I got to get an edge to the Jazzy Jeff. Like, and I I was a hundred percent sure I was gonna give it to Daylight because. I, I know how I much felt that I, way too. I, I know how much I bumped Mosaic Dunk back in the day. I probably when it came out, I probably bumped it for a good three months straight. But when I heard the Jazzy Jeff, it was like it was such a pleasant surprise because like I, I kind of knew what Daylight was capable of, mm-hmm. and this was just Daylight doing a thing, and I, I I loved it. I love Mosaic Dunk, but the Magnificent was such a unforeseen surprise. Like I got put on it in this time, man. By an old head, I used to ride the red line with. We used to talk about like Wu Tang and Tribe or whatever. He was like, "Yo, dude," I, I was like, "Man, ain't nothing good coming out." He was like, "Yo, dude, you gotta check out this Jazzy Jeff." I was like, "Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince?" Like, I'm like, "He's still putting out music." He's like, "Dude, trust me, just just check it out, just check it out." I was like, "Fine, whatever, I'll check it out on your recommendation." Checked it out. I was blown away. And when I went back and re-listened to it this week, I was still blown it away. Holds up, man. At how good the songs were, like yeah. you know, and I used to do. I used to make get, no beats. I used to get that doesn't that doesn't matter. That, that, that only matters because it was part of that the series. Is dope, right? The, the final beat is dope. So, so when you buy when you buy a, a a brick, you don't care if the dude who sold it to you cooked that brick up. You just care. That's what I'm saying. Give me the product. Give me the product. No, but I'm saying, man, I'm listening for the the artistry of the person. Well, we're talking and about you got that with his scratches, though. We're talking that's about what he, that's, that's what he's he really he technically known for. No, he, he didn't. Just, he didn't scratch on every song. No, he didn't. Every song, but dude, he he still had the ear to put these these artists together on this on this album. I'm looking at the producers. He did produce one, two, three, four, five tracks. He did five tracks off. The album. He did produce five tracks on the album. Kev Brown did most of the work. Right. Yeah, DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff did do five tracks. And it actually, and I'm looking at the five tracks that he did, aside from the Jill Scott one that uh, Jamil was talking about. All of those were dope tracks. Yeah. Dude, I took so I much love of the game with this album because people used to be like yo man what you bumping I'd be like yo man y'all gotta get gotta get on this Jazzy Jeff they be like Jazzy Jeff and it's like nigga you still up word word <laughs> magazine like and right on <laughs> right on <laughs> and I'd be like no same here man I'd be like no I'm telling you it's dope it's dope and I used to get laughed out the barbershop man back in the day because I was trying to put cats on man but hey you wouldn't have got laughed out of our barbershop you would have been bobbing your head right along with us no, they I weren't trying to hear that in the hundreds, me. dude. They weren't they <laughs> were not trying to hear that in the hundreds. I never knew. <laughs> never you still, knew. Uh, you still listening to Tupac. Right. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Reminiscing, pouring out some liquor. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. So there you have it. But I, I will say this. The Jazzy Jeff wins by a hair because the, the Mosaic Up was an incredible album. 
Um, I just, you know, I just, the dopeness that was on The Magnificent, I just did not see it coming. I honestly didn't see it coming. But moving right along, man, we're going to wrap this episode up like we always do with another segment of What You're Bumping, where I invite everybody to share with the listeners what they've been bumping for the past week or so. So, Chaz, you are a special guest, man. We'll start off with you this week. What you been bumping? Ashley, high technology one, two, and three. Oh, nice, nice. New currency. Well, not I never heard the third one. How was the third one? Hold up. Oh, it's got a couple good ones. Step your game up. You make this step my game up. It's a clap. I don't know how y'all know that, cuz. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the currency album, I've been listening to that. It's real smooth. That's about it. I'm listening to Big Sean here and there. It's growing on me. Nice. <laughs> Unpopular <laughs> opinion, right? <laughs> you don't like Big Sean. I don't mess with you. Yeah, well, banana. Right. Well, banana. <laughs> right. <laughs> I ride, but man. you know, I'm not a backpacker. I equal opportunity with my listeners, so you know. You gotta be open minded, man. You can't, can't, you can't shut it out. Dime on that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> All right, Rob. Uh, what you been bumping this week? Uh, let's see. We had, we um. I was bumping at. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm I, I gotta flush Big Sean out my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, cuz it's like uh, that. Oh, oh, oh. But yeah, the the King's uh, disease uh, definitely had me in a, a rotation. Out. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Adrian, Adrian Young and Ali Shaheed with these Jazz's Dead compilations been wow. in my, no matter what volume, no matter what volume, if you haven't checked them out, check it out. Doc Kim is this producer named Doc Kim. Uh, he's got an album out named Sleep Tight that I've been browsing through, trying to get into his uh, stuff. I got put on to him off some, um, I follow the boiler. Anybody follow the boiler room on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he uh, did a set like six, seven years ago. And I was like, man, this dude, he, he kind of got that Fortet type style. Uh-huh. And uh, so he just dropped a new album. I, I was listening to that. Uh, on some other stuff, you know, Disclosure, got a new, dropped a new one called Energy. It was okay. And yo, I, <clears throat> on some other stuff, man, like, <laughs> Nora Jones dropped a new album. Now you yeah. know she had it. Still making music, man. Oh, All right, so you checked it out. It, it was. It's not bad. It's not bad. So uh, that was pretty good. And um, that's about it, man. I, I just got. Oh, and Odyssey. Uh, I listened to his Eye Cure project. It was only. It was short. EP. Um, it was decent. It's 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 decent. I did like his skits. I like how he did the skits where he was like, you know, he kind of did the album in quarantine and he was kind of checking on his family members and the skits to see how they were doing. I thought that was dope uh-huh. to add elements to add to the to the album. But uh, that's a that's pretty much 
it. Been listening to a lot of stuff, man. I don't want to take up space, but that's mainly what's been in the, in the rotation for this week. Cool, cool. All right, man. Jason, man, what you been bumping? Uh, some old stuff, but new, newer wise. I've I was listening to uh, what is it, the Good People? This album called The Fallback, and then uh, they got the song with Master Ace on it, and I was feeling it, and then uh. Uh, Georgia Ann Mojo, she got a new album. I was, I was yeah, I was listening to that. Yeah, so, oh, wow. I got about that. I got that in rotation too. What's the name of it? I, it's some African name. I can't even remember. Hold on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called. Uh, oh, Ma- Mama, going, you can bet. Yep. Mama, yeah. Mama, Mama, you can bet. Okay. Yeah, yeah Mama, you can bet. I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna check that out. Too. I really love the last project. Yeah, but, yeah that, man, she stay consistent, listening. man. She stay consistent. Yep. Roses. Yeah, basically that was it. Nice, nice. Uh Jamil, man, what you been bumping? I'm bumping that um Dead Fred's Let's Get Free the other day. I think I sent y'all that text because I was riding my <laughs> bike around the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I was bumping that. That was not a good idea. I won't do that again. It's a great, great album, but I shouldn't ride my neighborhood listening to that. <laughs> uh, um I went uh, up in that Killer Mike uh, rap music. I actually tried to listen to some of his earlier stuff. I was curious when Killer Mike, like, I was like, was I sleeping on Killer Mike this whole time? No, he was garbage. Yeah, he was quite garbage. And that's that's really what I discovered. (laughs) He really didn't get that good. And it it wasn't like he couldn't rap. Just his his beat selection, his whole aesthetic really didn't work for him. Back to New York. Um, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Stink meter. I'm not saying Somebody watching uh, Boondocks. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, uh, I was bumping at Kenna. Make sure they see my face. Uh, little brother, the minstrel show. Once, yeah. When I got the little, um, I heard about it being the, the the 15 15 year anniversary, so I went back and listened to that one. Still holds up for sure. And um, that uh, Play La Cootie album, um, Open and Close. It's just on some Afrobeat stuff. Nice. For me. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Uh, for myself, I've actually been bumping uh, Kendrick Lamar, to Pimple Butterfly. Just yeah. Get back into that. Um, I've been bumping RJD2 Dead Ringer. Nice little instrumental album Great. from back in the Great day. Great album. I've also been bumping DJ Babu, Duck Season Volume 1. Mm. Uh, it was Taking some cuts on there, man. Taking it back. It was some cuts on there, man. Like, mm-hmm. like, I threw it on. I was doing something around the house. I threw it on, man. I'm like, man, this was... I remember this senior year. Um, right, right, right. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, and Doppelgangers, uh, Dop Hop. They're a little weird underground group out of San Diego, but... It's great riding to music, man. It, it, their beats are pretty dope, and uh, the lyrics are on the weird side, but they're, they're pretty dope duo. But um, that's, that's all I've been bumping on my end. But um, but yeah, man, that's the show, man. I thank y'all for sharing those. But that's the show. Uh, I want to thank everybody for carving out some time away uh, for the, from their evening to, to come on and share their opinions and their feedback. This was a great, great discussion. Uh, Chaz, you always welcome back anytime. Next week, I, I intend on um, getting into the, the topic of uh, MCs that have gotten better over time um, or with time. And MCs who have had the best careers, best rap careers 
past the age of 40. Mm. Um, and then we're also going to revisit unpopular hip hop opinions as well. So, um, man, everybody, everybody's more than welcome to come on back next week and do the same thing all over again. What's that, Jason? I, that, I, that, I got a billion. I'm laughing at Jason. I'm laughing at Jason. I got a billion. Jason hate everything. Possibly better than Biggie. I don't know about that one. Yeah. He said pasta news is better. Is better than Biggie. I got a million of them. I can't dismiss that offhand, but I don't know about that one. I don't know about that oh, one. Man. If you had said Feral Munch is better than Biggie, yeah. Right. I can't do that. Only that's true too. But pasta news, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> you letting that puppy glitter you letting that puppy glitter blind you, man. Pasta news is like I love Pasta News, but he Martin Luther King over Beats, man. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Martin Luther King yeah. over Beats. That's yeah. hilarious. I'm sorry. You don't have to sound what you like by Daylight. Pasta News produced them. Oh, oh you know, I, I, I definitely. <laughs> so, all right. So, I got a million. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't debate that, but you talking about MC skills? Okay, hold on. Eminem is not good. Okay. Anymore, okay. I'm not never was. You, I'm not gonna let you bait me into this nonsense. M- Eminem, <laughs> Eminem, Eminem. Say, Eminem save, is it, not good. save it for next week, Jason. Okay. Save it for next week. I, I got a million of them. That's just that's the tip of the iceberg. That's nothing. I mean, we agree. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Uh, we go. We gonna get into it next week. We gonna get into it okay. next. Week. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and there's a, there's another part of the of the backpack conversation that I, I didn't get a chance to get to and tackle. So I'll probably revisit that next week as well. So, man, all of y'all are more than welcome to come on back and chop it up and uh, get into another good discussion. So, uh, with that, man, I, I thank y'all again, and I'm gonna bid y'all to do for the night. Um, Feels good. Feels and good to be on vibe and stuff. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, most man. Deaf. Most definitely. Good to have you on the show, man. So with that, man, I'm going to bid y'all adieu, man. I'm going to say peace. Good night, um, Malika Andrews. Bye, everybody. <laughs> peace. Peace.
if you watch the news or the popular media as a, um, as a primary source of information, then in your worldview might be very fear-based. And there's, there's a certain level of fear that they, that you know, that the system needs to keep in, inside of people to keep them participating in a certain type of way. The first response to fear is the cathartic expression of consumerism. So when people get too nervous, they gotta offload it in some way. So that's what the entertainment experience is about in a lot of instances. The consumerism experience is about. recognize it in the media with us you have to remember that in this culture it's predominated by young black men from between 1967 and 1994 right almost 90% if not more if we don't agree there's a way that we should disagree but we shouldn't be disagreeing open air turning into some WWF one it's just not sexy. And two, real dangers can happen. And we got youth. Even if we don't have kids, we have younger people watching us. Right? The fifth grade is listening. For real, they tuned in. And they're like, oh, that's how you're supposed to get down. That's how I'm gonna get down. And if we don't show them a good way, they're gonna run them up with us. They're gonna be pushing our wheelchairs into the river. 